0: Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Mark Chapter 8, verse 22. uh, Today I'm speaking on finished. And I believe, although you've probably heard this this text uh, several, many times throughout your life, when I was reading it and studying it and listening about it, I really started to see the church... Right here in this passage of Scripture, and I want to break this down for you today, beginning in verse 22, Mark 8, 22. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hand up on him, Jesus said, "Do you see anything?" He looked up and said, "I see people. They look like trees walking around." "Hmm. How many people in the church do we see walking around like trees in our society today? That'll preach." Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. As I said before, I'm going to speak to you today about finished. And how many of you have said, I am finished in the last eight months of life? I am finished. I am done. I am over it. I'm over the election. I'm over that politician. I'm overseeing the signs. I'm overseeing the commercials. I am finished with the pandemic. I am done with mask. I am over it. How many of you, I know I have said, I am finished with it so many times. I was in a room full of pastors a few days ago, and the theme, I could even hear it coming from them, just saying, I'm finished. I'm done. I I don't know what else I can do. I've done this. I've done that. I am finished. And as we start today talking about finished, I want to remind you that our God is a finisher. Amen. Our God finishes all what he started. If he started it, our God will finish it. Amen. Our God does not quit. You may quit on him, but our God will not quit on you. Amen. You, Our God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. You may take a spiritual nap on him, but he will never sleep on you because all you've got to do, even no matter what time it is, when everyone else is asleep, the word says you can call on him and he hears you because he is a finisher. God is a finisher. Because if you remember several weeks ago when I I was sharing, I said that God doesn't start until he's already finished with something. Amen. God has already been there at the end. He knows how it's going to go. And he doesn't even start until he's been there. Why? Because he's working it all out for our good. He is a finisher. Finishing is not just uh, what he does, but it is who he is. Finishing is in his DNA. And if you are born, again, and if uh, you are a child of God, and if you are a child of God, you've got his DNA inside of you. You've got the DNA of a finisher inside of you. Therefore, whenever he created you inside of your mother's womb, he was not only creating a worshiper, he was not only creating a server, he was not only creating a giver, but he was creating a finisher. Even in your mother's womb, he was creating you to finish this season of life, and I am now more fully convinced than ever that our God gets aggravated, frustrated over the unfinished things in our life, the unfinished dreams, the unfinished visions that he gave to you that are now dormant, that we have forsaken, that we have lost, that we have forgotten the downloads from heaven whenever he's speaking to you in a me- in a word uh, a service like this how many of you have ever been in a, a time where you felt it was like it was like you and the word was the only people in the room and that word was being poured into you and you knew it was a download from heaven but how many downloads from heaven that have we received but have done nothing with why do I think god may is is frustrated with all of these things is because he has that finishing spirit inside of him. I mean, when he parted the Red Sea, he didn't he didn't just start, but he even dried the ground. He finished it. When he knocked down the walls of Jericho, he didn't just start it, but he finished it. When he was standing in the crowd of 5,000 with just two little fish and five loaves of bread, he didn't get halfway. He didn't get to number 2,500 and say, well, I'm tired. I'm going to give up. No. He went all the way. He fed everybody. He finished it. When he healed the the man at the pool of Bethesda the word says that the man was there and he had an infirmity in his body that had been there for 38 years. And whenever he healed him, he not only healed him, but he said, Get, a, you better, you're not only healed, but he said, Take up your bed and walk because I am finished with it. You will not be back here again. It is done. I have healed you. It is over. God is a finisher. So, in this season that we are in in American history, guess what? God started it and he will finish it. And this simple revelation that he's a finisher, this simple revelation, this simple word a finisher, if we can get it in our head in the middle of chaos, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of division in our nation, in the middle of a pandemic, if we can just get it in our head, this little revelation will relieve us of so many anxieties of life. Amen. The Word says, cast all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. If He cares for you, He will finish it. If He started the job, He will finish it. If, if, if He helped you start the new business, He will finish it. If He helped you have that child, He will help you raise that child. If He helped you get here, He will help you get there. Why? Because God is committed to His people to finish. Yes, amen. The Word says, I'm the first, I'm the last. It starts with me and it ends with me. I'll finish it. So here in today's text that we are looking at, Jesus just happens to be walking with his disciples. He's kicking it with his disciples. And here, the the word says that people were bringing up this blind man. And the word says that they were begging him, heal this man. And to many Theologians and people who know so much about the Bible that break, that that, that literally break apart syllable by syllable of every word. So many people see this physical blindness in the Bible as somewhat as a metaphor for people having no spiritual vision. So they bring Jesus a man with no. Vision, what is vision? Vision is when God gives you just a, 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 a snapshot of the big picture of what he has for you in the end. Vision is like the trailer of a new movie that comes across your screen or your phone. It don't give you all the details. It just gives you little pictures, and it it creates this excitement in you that, that makes you want to say, oh, that's going to be a great movie. I've got to go see it. Vision is the same. Whenever he shows you something, it invites you to step into what he has for you. Now, understanding this, some people, it's important to know that some people are born physically blind spiritually speaking those are the people that have been wandering around all of their life with no clue of what they are going to. They have no clue of where they are going. So many times these, these people really can't be victorious. Sometimes they really can't be successful because they have no metric to measure if, if I'm going in the wrong direction or am I successful. This is so dangerous, especially in the middle of, of, of this chaos that we are living in today, especially in the middle of a pandemic because Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no vision, what the people perish. Some translation says that where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, they have no boundaries that keep them in the right frame of mind. Does this sound familiar? They they, 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 they have no boundaries that keep them from, from going to the right or going to the left. They have no boundary to keep them in the right frame of mind when it comes to make decisions. And in the middle of it all, they have lost their vision, and they have nothing to gauge their decision except emotion. Hmm. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have made an emotional decision in the last eight months? Emotional decisions always come back and bite you. How many of you have ever bought a car and about a month later you said, I should have never bought that thing. (laughs) That first payment comes in, you're like, I'm going to take it back. And then so many times we find ourselves in moments like this day in this crazy history that we are living in, and we've lost vision, which is like a parameter around our mind to keep us going there. We've lost the vision, and now we are emotional. Don't raise your hand if you've been emotional in the last eight months either, Because if you look around, I have never in my lifetime seen America so emotional. I mean everybody's emotional. You can't say anything to anyone without striking emotion. Everyone's offended. Everyone's upset. Everyone's frustrated and now we are a, 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 a now we are having churches that are full of emotion but no vision. Now we are having a nation that has no vision from the Lord, but we are just full of emotion and some of you who who will be listening to this today throughout the week on podcast. Even people, even people who are right here today have made some crazy decisions in the last eight months and you feel like you have lost your mind in the process. But really, you're, you've are you not been losing your mind. You've just lost your vision, amen? Pastors and churches, I said earlier, I've been in so many meetings with pastors, even in our city and from around this nation in the last few weeks, and I am listening to them. And some are feeling, feeling like they like right now they are losing their mind but you're not losing your mind you are just losing your vision of what God has created you for even if it's in the middle of a pandemic guess what church needs to wake up because the church has got to be the church even in the middle of chaos and now we're retreating the world's falling apart Statistics say that by the end of this year, churches that started, uh, all the churches that were here January the 1st, one out of five churches will close for good. And it's because the church left the church. I'm going to preach today. The church left the church. And we have retreated in the middle of pandemic. Pandemic. We have gotten so scared and anxious we don't know what to do and I, as I said yesterday and as I said to the crowd this morning if I sound mad I am mad this morning because I am so mad at hell for covering the eyes of the church again with oil, with oil with, with wool. and here we are our, our eyes have been covered and now it's like we are sitting here I'm not going to roll over and play dead for the devil in the middle of this season I'm I may have to close two weeks, but I ain't closing the doors forever. Why? Because God created Legacy Church for this moment, for this pandemic, for this city, for this nation. I am mad this morning. I'm mad at hell. And when will the church be mad with me? So mad that we get ourselves back together, we put on our armor again, and we march into the field and we grab hold of what God is calling the church to do in the middle of chaos. I ain't going to roll over and play dead. Why? Because I remember what I've been called to do. I remember when nobody even knew about Legacy Church, and I was praying all about myself, and God said, you will reflect the kingdom of God to every generation and every tribe. I go back to that moment, and I can't quit on the church. I can't quit on the kingdom of God in a moment like this. Why? Because there's too many Christians that have lost their vision, and somebody's got to be the church in the middle of a pandemic. Lord, let it be us. Yeah, Why do I believe this, this virus was birthed in the pit of hell? I don't know if it was in a lab, a bat, a rat, a cat, <laughs> an elephant in Africa. And I really don't care. But it was birthed in hell. How do I know that? Because it's caused too many Christians to forget their purpose. And God does not create things that that, that causes his own people to be a, a lack of unity and forget who they are. This man, in my opinion, I think this man, this blind man, was not born with this condition. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking at some context clues here. The word says that his sight was restored. To me, it sounds, the word restored sounds like he had it, but lost it. And if you are reading verse 24, Jesus asked, can you see? And he replied, I see people. They look like trees walking around. If you've never seen a tree, what do you know what a tree looks like? How do you know that? To me, it says this is a man a lot like the church that once had a vision, that once knew their purpose, but now it has slipped away. Something happened, something shifted, and now he has lost the sense to see. To me, it sounds like the church right about now. What has taken your vision? Why can we shout on a Sunday, but we are depressed on a Monday because something stole the vision of what happened to us the day before? And in this day and time, I am watching as people who have been born again, they are losing their vision in a day. Whew. Somebody cut me off. They didn't sing Waymaker. Nobody, whenever the pastor said turn around and wave at somebody, nobody waved at me. Whew, sound childish? No, it sounds like the church. Mm. A church with no vision. We've lost why we are here. We've lost why we've been created. And there are times, and there are times, you, 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 you've got to see this, where, where just like Jesus was doing, what did, what did he do to this man? Whenever, whenever they said, look, this guy needs a miracle, the first thing that he did, Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of that city. Jesus changed his environment in order for him to get a miracle. He removed him from the location. Some people in the church will never be able to finish this season. Some of you will never be able to see the vision that he has for you simply because of your environment that you keep yourself in. Location. Location is so important. Real estate agents, location, location, location. Like I said at the first service, if you ever watch HGTV, you hear location, location, location. You can love it or list it. It's all about the location. You can buy a house down the road right here, and this same house in Cusa will be $40,000 less. Why? Because location does something to your value. And so many people in the church have been in an environment where they cannot hear or see what God is trying to do. God has been trying to give you a new perspective for at least eight months. He's been trying to get you away from everything. Even when shutting everything down in March, he was trying, he was going to use it for your good and he was trying to show you, but you filled your time with everything but the Lord. How many of you redid your deck? You painted a room. I want a fire pit. I want an extension of my house. And all of a sudden, when God was trying to get you back into his vision, we just kept on, kept on. Even during quarantine, we got families in quarantine right now because they've been exposed at school. They've been exposed on, on football practice. They've been exposed in open air weddings. They've been exposed to all of this thing. And guess what? If you will allow him, he's trying to renew your vision, he's trying to make it for your good. But you filled everything that distracted your vision even more. Turn off your computer, turn off your. TV and let God minister to you the church Jesus takes him out of the environment and the nerve of Jesus, Jesus spat on him disgusting you want to make me mad you spit on me I don't care who you are I'm going to take you out I may be skinny I'll take out your kneecap so fast. I bet I can outrun you. You don't spit on me. It's a disgrace. Jesus, the nerve, the gall, spit on the man's eyes. Can't you imagine what everybody's doing? Like, oh, no. Is the blind man going to swing? Is he going to hit him? This is about to get good right here everybody's watching, Jesus spits on him, Everything. everyone is looking like something's about to go down on the streets outside the city, and he says, can you see? And the guy's like, no, not really, Jesus. Thanks for the spit, but is that a tree or a person? I can't see, I can't see. At least he was honest with the Lord. Because mm. some people, when I hear Christians talk about why they are where they are, I'm finding that there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that are in some serious denial about this season of life. They can't face the facts about their real issues. It's the media's fault. It's the president's fault. It's government's fault. They can't see the real issues. They can't even, they can't even be real with themselves. You haven't heard from the Lord because you've not prayed in over a year. Whew. Don't blame me because I've not preached a, a message on prayer. If you've not prayed in a year, you're not, you're, it's going to be hard to hear the voice of the Lord. And now we are in such denial. And now we, we, we are the, 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 the house of the Lord is full of anxious Christians. And all of a sudden, at least this guy was honest. No, Lord, I can't see. I'm just being honest with you, Lord. I know you just spit on me. And like if, you, if, if you've been in church long enough, you've probably seen some of those evangelists come by and say, Don't you, don't you feel the power of the Lord? And you didn't feel it. are like, Yes, I feel it. Can you imagine if you're the evangelist person, no, I don't feel it. I don't feel a thing right now. <laughs> you ever not felt a thing in church? You're lying if you said, you never have. Because we've all been there. where We're just like, I, don't, I, can't, I, can't feel, I, I can't feel a thing. I'm not seeing anything. He said, Lord, really, I don't see a thing. It looks like trees out there walking around. Question, can you even be honest with the Lord today? I could listen to your prayers and I could tell you if you're being honest with the Lord. Because sometimes you just got to say, Lord, I am my worst enemy. Whew. Lord, this anger, I blamed it on my parents for five years. And now, Lord, I've got I've to I've take it upon me. I blamed it on everything. I blamed it on, my, I blamed it on my spouse that left me. I blamed it on my teenage kid that's driving me up the wall. I blamed it on everybody. Lord, this is me. Can we even be honest with the Lord in this moment? If you can't be honest with the Lord, it's so hard to really see what he's trying to show you. So the next time, after he spit on this man, the nerve, Jesus laid hands on him he touched him, and then the Word said he could see everything clearly. The first time, he spit on him. The second time, he didn't spit. He just touched him. See, when we, whenever he spit on him, you really need to get this today, he got better, but he didn't get whole. Hmm. He was better than he was, but not good as he could be. Hmm. some of you have been in that same situation. You are better than you were when he saved you, but you've still not been made whole. See, saliva or spit, did you understand that it can be used to determine the DNA? You you can find DNA matches by your spit or your saliva. Your Ancestry.com, all of a sudden, you're 5% this, 5% that, 70% crazy, 10% this. All of this stuff. You can find DNA matches. You're fraternal. You're your, your fraternity. We can find out who your daddy is by your spit. The transferring of spit by Jesus. You need to get this. This is an important part of this, of, this, of, of this text that you may have never seen. The transferring of spit by Jesus is like a metaphor of the transferring of DNA to the body of Christ. Woo. He was putting his DNA on him. It was like all of a sudden, it's like whenever you are born again, whenever you come into a relationship with him, it's like he's wiping his DNA on you. It's like, it's like it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it was like him being saved. Whenever you got saved, it's like he put his DNA on you. And it's like Jesus said, now that you're saved, you got better. But before you can get whole, I still need to touch you. And how many people in the church are saved, but will not let the Lord touch them? simply because they cannot get into his presence. I know you've been good this week, but I still need to touch you. I know you've been saved for 20 years, but God is saying, I still need to touch you. Uh, I know know you went to VBS as a child, and that's great, but I still need to touch you. I know you give, I know you're a tither, and that's great, but every once in a while, I still need to touch you. I know you've been in a small group, but guess what, I still need to touch you. And at the end of the day, if you wanna make it through this season in America, if you want to be a finisher, it's not going to be enough for you you just to have a little DNA on you. It's not gonna be enough for you to have a certificate that says, I'm saved. But if you want a vision to get through this, you've got to get close enough for God to touch you. Mm. And this is why you need a finishing faith. Because sometimes your situation requires multiple touches. He touched him and spat on him. That didn't do it. He had to come back and touch him again. And this is where the church fails, between the touches. God, I didn't feel anything today. I'm, I'm done. God, you didn't touch me today. I'm done. It was between the touches. It was between the touches. And the church needs to understand in this hour, the vision takes time for it to come to pass. It takes time for it to move. It takes time for you to see it. It takes time. This season that we're in, who would have ever thought we'd still be wearing masks eight months long? I thought this was like two weeks, y'all. You know you did too. A month, maybe, come on. Eight months? God, we've been praying, we've been fasting, and we're still wearing masks? Gosh, I'm frustrated. I'm tired of it. Over it, finished. Habakkuk chapter two. But this is it. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets that whoever reads it can run with it. And this is it. Listen, church, verse three, Habakkuk chapter two, verse three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It may not be time for it now. It's not time for you to see it now. If God made it, if if God brought it into fruition for you right now, you wouldn't know what to do with it because you're not prepared for it but it's for an appointed time I know you can't see it now, but it's coming. I have appointed it. I have a date on my calendar in heaven, and whenever that clock strikes, whenever the calendar page turns for that day, it will happen. But it is for an appointed time. It, it, this time is not listed in your word. But guess what? When Jesus? When is it going to happen? How many times have we said? When is this going to be over? How much longer are these masks, God? How much longer we got a social distance? How much longer we do we have to do three searches? How much longer? He said it's. It's, it's, it's the appointed time. I have it right here. Why are you so worried? Verse three continues, but at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. In other words, if you can stay with that vision, if the church will not retreat, if the church will, We'll get some tenacity in her if the church will get some get-up-and-go in her bones whenever it comes to pass whenever the Lord finishes it it will be consistent with exactly what he told you whatever I showed you in the beginning is exactly what it will be like in the end the Lord is saying But this is it, though it tarries, wait for it. I've never met anybody that likes to wait. How many of you have ever called Comcast or Xfinity? Don't, just pray about it. Because you'll get the answer through prayer before they get the answer on the phone. And every time I'm on wait with them, my blood pressure, I know what they're gonna say, I can't help you, I'm going to have to send somebody out there. After I waited an hour to talk to you, my blood pressure gets, demons start festering up in my spirit. Ugly words come to my tongue. Nobody likes to wait, he says, but look, the things that I have for you, if you can grab hold of the vision, it says, it, listen, it says, though it tarries. It doesn't say if it tarries. Though, as in it will, tarries. What is tarry? It means to linger, to be slow, to delay. <laughs> don't that, I mean, don't that make you just wanna serve the Lord today? It tarries. It's slow to happen it will tarry, you just have to wait for it. Then it says, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I'm confused, Lord. It will tarry or it's not gonna tarry. First he said it's going to tarry. Now at the end you're saying it will not tarry. I'm trying to figure out this what this is, what is that? Because when it says it will tarry, it's talking about the vision coming to pass. When it's talking about it will not tarry, it's a promise that it will happen for you. In other words, God is saying it will delay for you, but it will not be a delay for me. You will have to wait for it, but I don't have to wait for it. Why? Because it's on my timing. All I've got to do is say that door close and that one open, and it will happen. Whenever I say flip the script, it will happen. Whenever I'm ready to flip over the tables in your life, all I've got to do is say, today is the day and it will happen. It will tarry no more. Whenever I say it's time for the heavens to open over Rome, Georgia, it will happen. It will tarry no more. Stand with me today. Why? Because it may tarry for you, but it will not tarry for him. Just like Jonah was in that belly of the well, Can you imagine what it felt like tearing in there? All of a sudden, God says, spit him out, and it was done. You may feel like you've been in the belly of a well, Jonah, today God is saying, spit that kid out. Spit my child out. Release my child from that. Will you just raise up your hands with me today? Lord, I pray God right now. Lord, for an awakening in the church, for an awakening in your presence, for an awakening today, oh God. I'm praying, oh God, give us our vision back. Remind us why you created us, oh God. You are good. Yes, you are. You are good. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Church podcast. For more information, visit LegacyChurchRome.org.